1979, the first issue of Fangoria was released into the world. It's been over 40 years, and they are better than ever, with each issue bringing you 100 pages of exclusive, carefully curated content honoring horrors past, present, and future. These articles and interviews will never be published online, so the only way to read them is by getting your hands on a physical, collectible copy of your own. We can't give anything away because we want the experience to be a surprise, but we can safely say that you do not want to miss a single page. So head on over to Fangoria.com to learn more, to subscribe, and while you're there, make sure to enter the promo code KINGCAST to save 25% off your annual subscription. Now on with the show. Hi. My name is Stephen King. He's gonna break! Bad love! Bad love! Advice for him see a dead body. Well, sometimes that is better. Hello and welcome back to the KingCast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We are joined once again by uh, one of our favorite returning guests, Mr. Stephen Graham Jones, who's... Don't Fear the Reaper and Earth Divers Volume 1 are now available in stores. Don't Fear the Reaper's uh, softcover edition, specifically. The hardcover's been out for a while. And um, the sequel to that, Angel of Indian Lake, will be hitting stores in March of next year. That's 2024, for those of you who have lost track of the years. Uh, He's here today to talk to us about Stephen King's most recent novel, Holly, which uh, continues the adventures of a character that he introduced many years ago in the Mr. Mercedes trilogy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Stephen Graham Jones back to the KingCast stage. How are you doing, Stephen? Man, I'm doing great. This is always the best place to be. Yes, oh, it is. Love to Thank hear you. It. And I got to say, I'm really excited. This is the quickest that we've ever addressed one of his newer books, um, on the main feed at least. When, oh, on the nice. Patreon, I remember when later came out, we like, the, mm-hmm. Like the week after it dropped or something, we yeah, we, uh, yeah. uh, we had like a little review episode there. Uh, but we wanted to yeah. give the readers a little time to to catch up with with Holly and make sure they had some time mm-hmm. to read it. So it, it's it's been yeah. out for what like a month or so, month and a half at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to dive into it. This is this is a juicy one in in particular. There's a lot of stuff to uh, to run into. But before we get to Holly. Uh, Stephen, um, it is customary that you bring us a ridiculous animal or insect encounter. <laughs> has there been any ridiculous animal or insect encounter that, that has happened since the last time? He's going to say he fought a bobcat. Watch. <laughs> I, d- I did see a bobcat on the trail, but it ran away. <laughs> yeah, we were both kind of scared. You know, we just like it was like awkward sure. meeting each other, and they just, they just bounded off. You know, but well, um, that, bobcat, that bobcat listens to the Kingcast and has heard your stories about yeah, other yeah. animal encounters and knew it was outmatched. That's why that dude's gonna grab me. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Let's see, animal story. How about I never told y'all about the time that I uh, I ran the mile in under five minutes? Did I? <laughs> I don't. I don't think I did. There's, no. There's got to be a twist here. Yeah, yeah. No, there probably is. Um, a twisty thing. Anyways, there. Um. Back when I was 19, my dorm at Texas Tech University was right by this like track and there was like markers. So you knew it was a mile. My brother and I would go out there and run it. Mm-hmm. And um, we never could get under five minutes. You know, I'm, I'm not particularly fast and he's probably faster than me, but we never could break five. But then one day I went out there and I told myself, maybe I can do it today and took off and about 20 yards 
down the little, you know, the, the cobbledy path, whatever it is, you know, that how tracks have that like gravel, whatever it is. Right. The little yeah. circle oval. Yeah. And I'm, I was about 20 yards down to it and this big old snake slithers right at, right in front of me. And, um, and, and, and instead of jumping over it or going to the side, I reached down and I grabbed it and I got it near the head enough that it couldn't bite me. And so I ran the, and I just kept, I kept pace. I didn't break stride. And I, oh I zoomed, and I zoomed, I zoomed around that track, and that was my only time I ever run the run the mile under five minutes while I was holding that snake. Man, it was, it was, <laughs> what kind was of snake cool. was it? I never found out. I just got rid of it. You know, I mean, I didn't kill it. I let it go. But I don't. <laughs> Did I don't you think, just throw it? Like, how do you how do you no, end that encounter? I, well, no. Like when you when you cross the the mile marker, you can keep running. Just drop the snake, and it stays where you drop it, and you keep going. You know. Mm. So I would have been yeah. worried about it, like lashing out at your ankles. My, well, I had it, I had it, had it close to the head, so it could just it could it could hit me with the tail, I guess. But who cares about that, you know? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You you definitely wouldn't hit that five minute mile if you'd grabbed it by the tail. You have to have a no. little, little bit of danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, man. For sure. I did, did. I did get. Did I tell you I got venom in my arm once? Rattlesnake in venom? your arm? No. Yeah, in my arm. Yeah, I was, I was working in the field one day, probably driving tractor or something, and I parked the truck, got out. Walked a few feet to a riser, which is where you like tie in the irrigation line, and and I felt something on my my leg, and I looked down, and sure enough, a big old rattlesnake was had had hit me in the side of the leg, but it couldn't get through my boot, you know, and so mm-hmm. it hit, and it was cold up, you know, hissing, rattling, all that stuff, saying get away. And usually I'll let a rattlesnake go, but when it tries to bite me, I figure maybe I better kill that snake because it might bite somebody else. Mm. So I um I got something out of the back back of the truck, a big old piece of metal. And I ran it down through that snake's head and killed it and cut off its tail and put it, put the rattles in a Folgers can I kept in my truck. By the end of the summer in West Texas, if you keep rattles, your Folgers can is just full of rattles. And, and, and then I turned around to throw that implement, that metal thing in the back of the truck and I wasn't paying attention close enough. And when I threw it in the back of the truck, it cut me. And I had just ran it through the um, like venom sacks, right. whatever you call it, in a in a you know a snake. And so, so you bit it, yourself? Is that what I you're know, saying? No, the, the snake still got me. And <laughs> and it was and this was August in West Texas, so it's probably 112, 113 degrees. And I did not want to go to the doctor. And I knew that if my mom or grandma saw me, I was going to go to the doctor. So my arm, like within 12 minutes, probably it swelled straight out. I couldn't bend any of the joints and it was all getting puffy and ugly. And so I put on a jacket and for the next 10 days, I just wore a jacket. Like it was, like it was cold, you know? And you just absorbed that venom back in your, your yeah. you are now one with the rattlesnake. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. And by, by the way, can full of rattles is, uh, mm-hmm. is going to be my next band name. So thanks for <laughs> yeah, that. That's a good one, man. I like that. Like that. Steven, you are, you are an appreciator of horror films. You go to I the am. movies a lot. I take yes. it. Yes. Um, I'm curious now that we're, we're close to the end of the year here. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what your pick for horror movie of 2023 is. Have you seen oh, it yet? Um, I've seen some good ones. Let me think. Have you seen when evil lurks yet? No, I haven't. I mean, I, oh. I bought it. I thought I bought it on Apple TV the other day, but I've just bought something called Evil Lurks. And so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's in theaters right now, and then yeah, it's hitting yeah. Shutter. Like, uh, I think on the twenty seventh or the twenty fourth right. later this month. I'll be watching. Um, I know Walter Child's been talking that up a lot, and everybody I know who's seen it says it's really intense. So I'm excited oh, to see it. Yeah. That's all. All year, um, talk to me has been like yeah, the, yeah. the horror movie to beat for me. And yeah. then uh, I saw When Evil Lurks, and I. I had yeah. to let 
talked ah. me down from its throne gently because yeah. there's there's <laughs> yeah. just nothing else that I've yeah. seen this year like when Evil Lurks. It'll right. light you up. I mean, mm. that's, ex- that's exciting. I like I like talk to me as well. Um, my only hesitation with talk to me was that 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 protagonist girl. I wish she hadn't let that little brother, her friend's little brother, to talk to the hand. You know, but you sure. say that characters don't have to make good decisions, of course. But I just wanted to see <clears> her thinking. <throat> leading up to that decision, if that makes sense, you know? Right. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Talk, talk yeah. to me is up there for me, yeah, for sure. Well, what's up there for me? Cocaine Bear, of course. I love Cocaine Bear. Oh, yeah. Cocaine bear. Yeah. And well, that's just because that's an autobiographical yeah, tale. Yeah, <laughs> stole from your life somehow. So. Yeah, yeah. So I really like Saw X. That was super fun. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen that yet. I'm surprised yeah. by how much I like Saw. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like mean, Scream. I like Renfield. Nefarious was one that kind of went under the radar. I thought, I really like Nefarious. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is nefarious? It's um a dude is locked in prison and he may or may or may not be possessed and someone comes. It's mostly just sitting across the table from a dude and talking to mm. him the whole time. But he's so manipulative and it's. I just think I think it's a really strong script and it's really well executed. Yeah, hmm. I liked Evil Dead Rise a lot and that one's kind oh, of yeah, forgotten was, in the yeah I guess so. in the conversation so early yeah. in the year you know yeah you yeah. know but that one did. No, yeah. that one didn't pull any punches. That was yeah. that was real good. On the other end of that spectrum is Totally Killer. I love Totally Killer, man. No, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that that yeah. closed out um, Fantastic Fest. That's the one that closed out Fantastic yeah. Fest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I got uh, assaulted. I got taken down by the by the Rona, which oh, tie- man. <laughs> we're oh, in the man. the waning days of Fantastic Fest. So I started feeling it like the day before the final night, yeah. or you know, yeah. the second penultimate yeah. day. Of fantastic yeah. fest I'm like oh, i'm just man. gonna stay home and make sure it's not and then i te- tested positive i'm like yeah. yeah well i don't get to go to fantastic fest oh it's yeah. terrible man it's terrible so, it's, on amazon. it's on amazon prime though so you can okay check, yeah you know? I'll, I'll definitely check it out yeah yeah right you on. Know, i think i think i was like one of only two people who really liked exorcist believer too so I'll, that's up there for me he was gonna ask if you'd seen Ooh, it. it's gonna yeah. it, they just announced this morning it's already coming to digital which is always really? a great sign yeah i know yeah right? um yeah. and i just i I don't know. I don't find possession stuff very scary yeah. to begin oh, yeah? with. Yeah. yeah, I just. Well, you it, wouldn't find it's not a scary movie. Like you can like the movie, but I, <laughs> Stephen, I think you'd even agree. It's yeah. like I like. You can say you like it, but it's not. Yeah. It's not really scary. That's not no. what it's going for. It's it's odd. No. Yeah, I think that's you know, what a lot of people it's, are. It's, it's scary. Against. It's scary from a parent's point of view. You know, to me, to me, mm. it was anyways. That that's the that's like the one thing it had that the Exorcist, the original Exorcist, didn't have was mm. the like parental concern, you know, right. I'm not saying the parents in exorcist were, you know, they didn't care what happened to Reagan or anything, but it was, this was more over the shoulder of one of the parents. I felt like, right. Yeah. It's, it's tied in more directly yep. and, you yep. know, and their decisions along the way are, are more impactful. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah no, he, the thing, when I saw exorcist, I'd, I'd saw it after it came out and, you know, I just uh-huh. went to a normal screening and I was like, I'd heard all, all how terrible it was. And then yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go in and, and the first half of the movie, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to be the the one asshole in the world that likes this movie. Cause of the first <laughs> half you're like, okay, they're doing yeah. something different. They're doing something interesting. And I, I, I yeah. for me, it totally fell apart in the second yeah. half and everything yeah. they were going for in terms of bringing all the uh-huh. religions together, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. like it, yeah, it was, everything it was kind they of... were going for was just kind of limp and like not, a good idea brought up and not yeah. executed, you know? You know, it's, it's really hard to do an exorcist, like a movie about an exorcism, because how do you do it without just, um, like, telling everybody to resubscribe to Catholicism, you know? And, right. And I think the way they tried to do it was to be, like, syncretic, to use, like, all these different spiritual tactics against it at once and not give anyone priority. But 
I agree that that, that does kind of um, water things down a bit, you know? Well, I mean, it's a great idea. It's just that we, yeah. you don't see the push and pull there. You don't really see the effect other than that kind of like Haitian yeah. uh, witch doctory stuff where, yeah. you know, where the smoke yeah. lingers or whatever. You don't really, other than like one little moment, you don't see the effect of like, I, it, uh-huh. it, it remind it should be like you know all the kids beating up the 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 clown yeah. at the end of it right it should be <laughs> yeah, like holy yeah. shit like yeah. you know the fat yeah. kid gets his licks in that's the catholic yeah. and then the you know then bev gets yeah. it and that's the you know the homeopathic one or you know mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm, you know i don't mm-hmm, know i just mm-hmm, it yeah. feels like it was missing that element um and i mm-hmm. i like the idea raised that like as much as the exorcist is such a great movie and everybody loves that movie uh-huh the Catholic priest fucking lose. Like they, yeah. their rights didn't work. It, you yeah. know, it took Damien like taking uh-huh. that extra step and inviting the evil into himself, uh-huh. you uh-huh. know, and the, uh-huh. he, he, his only solution is just to like do that and then kill himself. Right. It's yeah. like, there is no, yeah. like my yeah. words on this page, you know, beat you, yeah. you yeah. know? That's, and, that's and so point. it's such an interesting idea to go. Yeah. It would have been great for, for the mom, you know, to uh-huh. come in the Ellen Burstyn character to come in and go, yeah, the Catholics did it. And I think, you know, thank them every day for their sacrifice, but yeah. their religion isn't what saved my daughter. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, no, the right you're right. That work, is good. You know, I, I love it, the idea of like maybe it's you know because it's it needs the it needs everybody. You know, it needs the yeah. whole you know yeah. like all, yeah. all sorts of faiths and all that stuff. Like that might be a little on the woke spectrum for some uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. for for some viewers, but like to me, that's the good idea in in yeah. the Exorcist Believer that that I just don't think is capitalized on. It'd, it'd be neat if like we had a shot at the end of Exorcist Believer during the exorcism from one of the girls' points of view as the exorcism is happening. Like you're talking about going from religion to religion, you know, yeah. spiritual tactic to spiritual tactic, and painting around to each of these priests or priest people, and yeah, and then suddenly blackie lawless a wasp is there looking real innocent that would crack, <laughs> that would crack me up to no end man like he, he, he's, he's been pulled in to help with this you know <laughs> i would have been there day one if you know danny danny mcbride was on the creative team behind behind uh-huh. this just like yeah yeah you know um he and david gordon green were on the, the yeah. new halloweens and if yeah. they had brought in his character from righteous oh. gemstones to, to perform <laughs> yeah. the exorcism at the end i would have been there day one uh, like, oh that's Rocking the version you. of the exorcist i want to see the, the righteous <laughs> gemstones versus pazuzu well, well you 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 kind of stumbled i don't know if you've ever seen this movie scott but you essentially just described the exorcist spoof movie repossessed did Re- you ever see that leslie nielsen with leslie nielsen yeah. plays the priest yeah. ned Beatty played. Yeah, yeah, Linda Blair, you know, yeah, reply, <laughs> kind of reprises her role, and and, yeah. uh, and she gets repossessed, as you mm-hmm. can imagine. But like, it's all this televangelist show that yeah. she goes on at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love. That. I love that gag in Repossessed. Um, when the the possessed kid or whoever says, "Your pants are down," and the pants are really down. You know, that was the the most simple, <laughs> stupid, the most simple, stupid gag. It, it, it yeah, the, the movie's really dumb, but uh, yeah, little yeah. kid me in the eighties uh, fucking loved it. Oh yeah. man, me too. I loved it too. Oh, you know, but talking stuff I've seen. Um, one thing I guess I'll recommend it because it's still showing. I think um, the shark is broken. That play. Up on, oh yeah, I'm that, going that, that, literally in. What three days I'm leaving for New York to, oh, to go wonderful. see it. So, it yeah. is so good. It's so I've still got the playbill right here. That's why I thought about it. But man, that is like you want to tell the people what that is? Yeah, it's um Robert Shaw's son wrote a one act play about the downtime between takes caused by all the instances of the shark not working as it should. So there's a lot of downtime spent yeah, in Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in Jaws, yeah, yeah. And and it's just really good. That dude 
I mean, his name is Shaw. I can't remember his first name now. It's probably, Ian, uh, Ian Shaw. Yeah. yeah, he like is Robert Shaw for the purposes of this play. And um, the dudes playing Hooper and Brody, they are spot on. It is just really, really impressive. Right oh, man, I can't wait. Yeah. yeah. No, that's uh, this in this this is like my big gift to myself this year really. Yeah. Cuz yeah. uh fucking New York's expensive as shit, man. Yeah, like it is. I, yeah. like booking my trip, I'm like, "Oh, I got a good deal on flights and the tickets not that much." And then yeah. it's like it's so expensive to get around that city, oh, get into is, that man. city, get out of that city yeah. and then like the hotel, yeah. like I'm spending I I look yeah. at the final bill, I'm just like at some point I'm just going to have to say I've already made the decision and I'm in yeah. too deep. I just got to fucking Exactly, like, man. swallow that's... swallow this ridiculous hotel bill and uh lick my yeah. wounds after the fact eat ramen for a bit yeah for sure <laughs> for sure well hey, i you... suppose we should get to cool. the, the title that um you brought us today yeah uh, this this came about because i think we were recording your segment for our, our 200th yeah. uh, 200th episode yeah. uh recently and uh you were asking if we had read holly because you were midway through it or yeah. most of the way through it or whatever and uh yeah. we decided to uh uh, put together an episode on it. You know, yeah. we were, we were all at some stage of, uh, reading it. I hadn't started, but I had a copy mm-hmm. of it. Um, mm-hmm. and I blew through this thing in like three or four sittings. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it is, uh, fantastic. Um, before we, before we get to the plot, the one thing I want to note here for the purposes of this, this discussion is the, uh, with the exception of the outsider, and the story, uh, if it bleeds, and if uh-huh. it bleeds, uh-huh. I've not read any of the other um, Holly novels, Holly Gibbons. Yeah. Novels. Oh, like the Bill Hodges trilogy. Yeah, I didn't. I kind of set those aside. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a number of King books, not a lot. Yeah. But but those are three of them where I've just sort of set them aside for a rainy day for maybe when yeah. there aren't any more Stephen yeah. King books anymore. You know, and uh, so I didn't know how I would react to this like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if i'd feel lost or or anything like that there were there were obviously character there was like connective tissue between yeah. some of the characters that i was a little bit lost on me but there's an there was enough context there for for me to you know get through this novel no problem right. i i fucking yeah. love the book so yeah. it was yeah. you know, if i and i wanted to put that on the record for anything i might not know going <laughs> forward in this discussion and also oh, for anyone else out there who's like I haven't read those books either. Should I read this yeah. one? The answer is yes. You will yeah. be yeah. totally fine. What you I will suggest and, to anybody yeah, no. who hasn't read them but might want to jump in to Holly, if it bleeds, I think is kind of the only necessary mm. one. If you watch or read The Outsider, if it bleeds and and then get into Holly, you will have 90% of uh, uh, what you need to know. And like Scott said, the other 10% is mostly references to Hodges himself. And you'll get some spoilers for those books, yeah. you know, re- reading, reading uh, this one, but uh, you know, but you don't need to do a crazy mountain of homework to catch up. You're not jumping in midstream. If you want to come in cold, you'll be fine. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not like you're going to be lost. It's just, you know, if you know a little bit more, it's like if you've read the dark towers, you know, if you've read Salem's lot, it means just a little bit more, but you're not lost when Callahan comes in, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, I have read all of the Holly stuff, but even so, starting Holly, I couldn't remember who Barbara was. I couldn't. I mean, I remembered who Bill Hodges was, but I couldn't remember all the other stuff. And you're, and you're right. right. You're right, Scott. That the context kind of slowly gets you involved with it, and you yeah, don't, you don't really care that you don't exactly remember. You know, it kind of gi- it gives you everything you need to know. You yeah, know, to get through the book. And um, for for like, anyone who has not read it yet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. is also listening to this, uh, would you be willing to lay out the plot of Holly? For sure, us? man. Sure. Well, as I can. Um, 
Holly Gibney is running Finders Keepers. Bill Hodges investigative, what do you call it? Investigative outfit, I guess. That mm-hmm. um, he kind sure. of detective you know, agency. Yeah, detective agency. That's a good way to say it, the, the right way. <laughs> and <laughs> she she leads and, his can of rattles. <laughs> exactly, and and she gets a um, case about a missing a missing woman. The mom is, you know, of course, really wants to find her daughter. Holly Holly is on the case, and so she starts feeling into this mystery bit by bit. Really, it's really like a, it's maybe the most procedural of the Holly novels, actually. Um, yeah. You just very, very bit by bit. And we're getting, meanwhile, intercut with all of her investigative tactics is we see people getting snatched and the, the manner in which they're getting snatched. And that it turns it into less of a um, whodunit and more of like a how catch them like Columbo or poker face, yeah. you know, and yeah. that, that was really cool. Was, I was, I was really impressed with that. And um, then it all, you know, I'm, not, I'm trying to say this without giving away spoilers, you know, I don't, we're going to have to get into spoilers. On this, <clears throat> oh, okay. So. Maybe, okay. Maybe well, we can aim for the first, like, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes of discussion okay. to okay. be non-spoilery. And then, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not a spoiler to say who the the abductors are because it's literally like in the first yeah. two or three chapters as it's revealed. Yeah. So it is, yeah. There's the the intercut chapters where we see people yeah. getting abducted. The people abduct, abducting them are two um, very elderly retired professors. Mm-hmm. And you know, also, I wonder if of all Stephen King's novels, this one has the most um, poets in it. You know, it's got it's got two, maybe three. There's lots of fucking poets in this. Yeah, there's a lot of poets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. What, I don't know what's up with that. I mean, it all works. It's none. This is no kind of complaint. But um, right. Um, you know, my my big my big like reveal or surprise or happy happy moment in this novel was that Holly likes Conan the Barbarian. That really thrilled me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, she what. She watches Blood Red Sky. She watches some of Blood Red Sky, and I really, I really like Blood Red Sky. I've watched it <laughs> so, um, so yeah. What, what are, what are the, what is this old couple doing to people? They're eating them, man. Cutting them up and eating them. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's almost like they're, I don't know, like kissing cousins with a true knot. You know, it's it's, it's the old mm. feeding on the young, getting their vitality. Or yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Supposedly getting their vitality. Yes. Yeah, we could dive into that in the the back half because that's yeah. so interesting what they do, what King decides to do at the end there. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah. No. I, you get that. You get a lot more development from from uh, Jerome and his sister yeah. Barbara, who's kind of been. You know, he starts off as just like the kid that mows Bill Hodges' lawn. You know, the kid mm-hmm. from the neighborhood, and he's like now he's growing into this this author. But he's you know Jerome is and uh just like essentially like Holly's right hand man. Like he's kind of her cue a little bit. He doesn't give her gadgets and stuff, but he's just this smart kid who knows how to work the internet in the way Uh that, you know, most people of Holly's generation don't, you know, Uh Uh it's like, you know, he, he's, he's a, he's a sharp kid. I, I I do love that. Like, as this is progressing, Jerome and Barbara are writing Holly's coattails. Yeah. Getting like richer and deeper character stuff too. Um, I, I don't know. Like this, this whole thing to me read, very like you said it's procedural so it's like it's one of those it's hard to put down because each chapter yeah. ends and it's like oh my god it's like yeah. uh the next thing are like the the bad guys will kind of be in the vicinity mm-hmm. of one of our heroes and you're like mm-hmm. oh god we well, how's this gonna turn out you know mm-hmm. it, it is it's a page turner it's it's uh, uh as someone who wasn't super enamored with how fairy tale came out like i, uh-huh. I don't think it's a bad book but it's it's uh-huh. you know i just don't think 
um, it's quite either the book I wanted or the book that I think King was going for. Um, yeah. uh, ultimately. So I don't think it all came together exactly. Um, in that thing, you know, it was great to just uh-huh. kind of jump in, uh, jump into yeah. Holly and be like, Oh man, this is incredible. And I also want to point out that the, um, that the audiobook version, if you choose to yeah. go that route is narrated by, uh, Justine loop who played Holly in the Mr. Mercedes oh. uh, TV show. Oh, and she nice. fucking kills it. Like, oh. like, uh, she is reads it so well. It, it's just so engaging. It's, it's that perfect kind of audiobook thing where it's not somebody dryly reading. It's, it feels like you're, you're some, you know, just the voices painting the movie image in your head. Kind of mm-hmm. thing. Oh, so, that's nice. I, I didn't know that. That's cool. So if you want read... to revisit, that's, yeah. uh, you know, I highly recommend going that route. That's cool. And yeah, there's, there's like those, um, those wonderfully maddening things that you get in these mystery unfolding novels where one character, like one character sees a van and is talking to the other character and doesn't think to tell the character she saw right. the van, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just no. like, I'm just going crazy. Like tell her, tell her, tell her this can be over. You know? Oh, it's so great. Cause yeah, about, I don't know, two thirds of the way through uh-huh. all three of the good guy leads of, of the book have all the pieces they just haven't like been able to put them together you yeah. know yeah. uh together because they all have pieces that they don't know are important and mm-hmm. and it, it's it's it, i i love that feeling too i hit that point in the book and i was so excited yeah like oh my god yeah. like all all barbara has to do is mention that van all jerome <laughs> has to do is mention you know the proximity over here to you know to one yeah. one of the kidnap or one of the disappearances and yeah you yeah. know like all that stuff starts you know then then the fingers pointed um, yeah. One thing yeah. that I like to dive into kind of up front is the political backlash that's kind mm-hmm. of happened to this book. And it's the first time in a while that I remember King kind of getting raked a bit uh, because mm-hmm. this is a very uh, it's a COVID book. Yeah. COVID features very prominently in it. This is set in 2000. Uh, 21 ish. So it's kind of like right after the vaccines, but not or right around the vac. Yeah. Because they, people uh-huh. talk about being vaxxed. So uh-huh. it's like, you know, right around the vaccine. Then there's like anti-vaxxers in the book. There's, you know, all the, you know, uh, Holly fucking hates Trump. Uh, uh-huh. So, you know, cause Holly's essentially just kind of a stand in for King. I feel like King uh-huh. is putting a lot of himself into Holly. So when he's uh-huh. mentioning, Oh, I watched this or like that, you can say what all those movies and TV shows that Holly likes, I think are movies that, king has been watching recently and likes um but yeah we should talk about the political part of it because um in no small part thanks to king's twitter presence and you know aggravating the magas on on that platform i think they were ready with knives sharp to to jump into this and there was a lot of like right-wing reviewers that really shredded this one as a an attack on conservatives Man, I did I did not know that, that backlash had happened. But I mean, yeah. I knew that it, I knew this book was prime for it because yeah, it's very it's very opinionated. You know, I think and it's. I, I mean, I looked into. I I was reading about this before we recorded this, and like, if you go to the if you go to Holly's Wikipedia page, it's got hmm. you know, um, like the book ranked such and such of a score on such and such website, and yeah, it's like four positive reviews, three, um, like mostly positive or like mixed and then like one negative review. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a backlash to this, if people are whining about it, I'm willing to bet that this is just like any other fucking thing where maybe there were a couple of negative reviews and then the the wrong crowd got a hold of them and is just parroting what they've heard. I don't believe for a uh-huh. second that, you know, most of the people complaining have actually read the fucking book. Right. Um, and my further yeah. take on this is just it very simple. Like 
Um, I don't feel like the book is unfair. I think it is representative of what it was like during that time. You know, uh-huh. I have yep. friends, family members who I consider other otherwise enlightened people who reacted very poorly to yeah. <laughs> to quarantine, to the idea of masking, yeah. to the idea of vaccinations, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't feel like there was never a point in this book where I felt like he's kind of overdoing it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. No, this this felt about right to me. It was like 50 50. The yeah. characters that Holly encounters and the other characters encounter during the course of this thing. 50 uh, 50 odds that they were going to be, you know, a dipshit or somebody right. who was taking it seriously. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, and I mean, most of us out here reading King, I think agree with him before he says this stuff you know and sure and since so we don't really find offense with it but i can definitely see where other other people other people would you know i wonder i didn't think about this while i was reading it. i thought of thought of it while you were saying that scott um like i wonder if there's a little bit if king because how can you not do this i wonder if he's like it's hard to keep off the page 2022 2023 stuff and pretend like it was going on in 2021, like that clear division between um, vac- people who take the vaccine and people who don't. Right. Like, I, I wonder if the, I mean, you're, you're right. Back then it was, it was less, I mean, it was definitely divided, but it feels like it was divided in a different way. If that makes sense, you know, um, I don't know. How so? Like, um, like nobody knew anything, you know? And so, Yes, I was getting the vaccine, but I wasn't. I mean, I didn't think that Bill Gates was putting like microchips in me or nanobots <laughs> right. or, any, or anything like that. But um, right. But still, I, I wasn't sure it was going to work, you know. And um, and yeah. I don't know. It just, I just think that politically and culturally, we're in a different place now than Holly is right here at the the height of it all, you know. That's like, true. Con- that concrete hadn't set like it, yeah. that was right. Yeah. I mean, it was there, but it yeah, yeah, it's only hardened over the last few years. Where yeah. although I will say, um. For reasons we can't discuss at the moment, Wampler and I were recently in Alabama, and one of the things that kind of struck me is that we we our interactions with the Alabama people were mostly confined to Ubers, and uh, I the two thirds of our Ubers were cartoonishly racist people, ah. uh, like just let's oh, volunteer, yeah. let's volunteer yeah. the racism right up front, um, uh, and, and uh, them. just but, couldn't do it quick enough. But what was insane about it is like, okay, there's the Southern stereotype right there. Right. Uh, But um, almost also those exact same people were, were um, like, oh yeah, no, I was, you know, I'm vaccinated. I got the booster, you know, or I was a nurse. One of them said I was a nurse and I, you know, I I helped, uh, you know, part of my job was putting, you know, COVID bodies in the, the portable morgues and all that stuff. And, and like, so they had all the, I'm very, you know, literally saying stuff like Trump is a patriot and the quote unquote, the blacks ruin destroy everything (laughs) that everything that they have and everywhere they go, they would say that in one breath, but also be, like oh yeah no the vaccine works i've had people i uh-huh. you know i believe the the that covid's real mm-hmm. so like it was it was an odd juxtaposition and i think king actually touches a little bit on that yeah. in holly where like my expectation of these alabama people especially the ones that were so openly uh, stereotypically southern you know white southern racist people yeah. you know i also then tried to in my mind would go oh they're they're uh the covid deniers uh-huh. right um, uh, but to the one, they were like, yeah, I'm vaxxed, I'm boosted, you know, mm. it's like, mm. I've, uh, nice. you know, all this is real and, and all yeah. that. And so 
King does it a little bit, and he also did that in Insomnia, where he was trying to take a little bit of a nuanced approach to the abortion mm-hmm. debate right. as well. So every once in a while, he'll hit these things, and and there are characters in this who are really shitty. I'm thinking of like the um, there's a a lady who runs a trailer park yeah. where Holly has to go, you know, uh, or the bowling alley lady, or the bowling yeah. alley lady, yeah, who are very who have that stereotype of of being like, oh, you know, you don't need to wear that mask around here or whatever, but then are also level-headed in other areas and helpful and, and compassionate and uh-huh. trying to help, you know? Yeah. So King does does this, uh, like, kind of complexity thing every once in a while. Um, I mean, I mean it, everything's complex, but, you know, he in, yeah. in terms of conservatives and, and the ideas of conservatives. Um, yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I'm rambling now, but uh, but no, you're that, right. that was something that I noticed. Uh, no, you're uh, right. He recently. does do that. And, you know, talking about those scenes specifically with the bowling alley, alley was she a manager, a boss of some sort? And yeah. then the woman running the trailer park. Yeah, they're both like um, both reprehensible, but they give really good information at the same time. And um, just mechanically talking about just the craft of writing novels, what King is doing there or what it appears to me that King is doing there is um. You know, in Law and Order, how when two pe- the detective and the suspect are sitting across the table and they end up yelling at each other, and that, yeah. that's how they, that's how you kind of disguise the transmission of exposition. Yeah, and um, I think that's what King is doing with that because the conflict, like Holly's not the kind of yell at people, but right. it can be super awkward if this person doesn't want to touch elbows or won't wear their mask and all that stuff, and that provides the conflict that lets the exposition kind of slip through. You know, right? Hmm. And what it's real. We, like I've had, I think we all had that that experience running into people, like in the uh, early days of kind of getting out yeah. of the house after lockdown. But when it was still really bad out there, where yeah, you know, you'd talk to people, you'd run into people, and they'd be like, "You don't have to wear that thing," you know. Yeah. And they would say it like nice, not like "What you doing wearing that fucking mask?" It's just be like, "Oh, you don't have to wear that silly pants, yeah, silly or, goose," you know. You know? It, on the other end of the spectrum, up here in Colorado, during the height of the pandemic, I was out on my mountain bike on a trail, like twelve miles from any other person I thought and here comes this one person on a bike coming the other way and she gets 10 yards in front of me and she holds her hand up for me to stop. So I stop and I think she needs help. You know, she needs uh, some help with her mechanical, her her bike or something. Mm -hmm. But the reason she stopped was because I wasn't wearing a mask and she wanted to um, chide me for not wearing a mask 12 miles from anybody. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's not helpful at all. <laughs> I thought she was like stop, and then she was going to put on a mask or something. Yeah, you know, or I thought she was going to tell you to take yours off. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. But yeah. um, I'm I'm curious. Uh, what do y'all make of the character of Holly? This is a uh-huh. she is she takes up a, a tremendous amount of real estate. I feel like in yeah. this this back half of of King's career. Yeah, and there's there's something to that. I mean, there are. He doesn't he King does not tend to write stories outside of the Dark Tower where where characters are popping up with this frequency. He is mm-hmm, clearly yeah. very enchanted with with the character of Holly. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious what, what y'all think about her. You know, for one, she has that. Um, I heard y'all with Sadie talking about Lissy's story. Mm-hmm. You called it you called it baby talk, you know, the the yeah. bull mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And Holly has some of that too. She has her own little vocabulary. Like she she flumps down into a chair and mm-hmm. um, right. and a moped is blatty, that kind of stuff, you know? And, right. And it's wonderful. Poopy. And it yeah, and it it's so it so expresses her character really, really well. And I think that's one reason King is drawn to her. And then another reason is she's just a character with serious shoulders. You know, she can she can be dropped into story after story and it's she doesn't have like um 
her story isn't finished. Maybe that's the way to say it. You know, like she has right. issues with her, her dying mom. Now she's inheriting this money and she's got like a support cast around her, Barbara and, um, Jerome, is it Jerome? Is that his name? Jerome. Yeah. Yeah. Jerome. And, um, yeah, she's just like, she's kind of like, um, like Jesse Stone in the Robert Parker novel. She's built to do case after case, you know? And mm-hmm. because she's in Stephen King's world, some of those cases are going to be with outsiders and some of them are going to be with cannibals, you know? Right. Well, right. I think I think what happened um, is that King, we know he got really enamored with crime fiction, mm-hmm. right? He It feels like something he's been working around a lot in his career, and now he's here and he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And I think he intended Bill Hodges to be his Sam Spade, right? Uh, yeah. Like this retired detective, like grizzled, knows his shit. And I think the initial thought maybe with like, Oh, this is great. And we're going to bring this character in. It's going to run a dozen books if, if yeah. uh, you know, whatever. And I think he realized pretty quickly that you can't have like this old retiree. Like he, he can't Columbo uh-huh. this guy, right? Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. he, he needed somebody younger. He needed somebody, you know, that could get into yeah. uh, a little bit more of the modern aspect of, of detecting today and not have it look ridiculous. So my guess uh, my supposition is that Holly, who was never intended to be, you know, this crazy big character, she's somebody who doesn't even show up until like the middle of the the first uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hodges book. Um, and she's just like a side character to the sister. You know, like it's she is like a sea a level character, you know, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think that King at some point real and she falls into the group. And I think he just realized that he couldn't. Bill Hodges wasn't the one to carry yeah this thing forward and um and for whatever reason holly with all of her quirks and her you know uh i don't know uh borderline autism slash ocd mm-hmm. you know fixations it's like you know that there's something more interesting there than just having the grizzled old detective right yeah so, bill, yeah bill hodges he was like a comet arcing over that first trilogy you know yeah and um and holly she's more like just a little asteroid circling through the solar system over and over and and she re- she really works, and I'll, I guess there's also positive reinforcement. You know, King. Um, I mean, every every writer who gets to a certain stature gets dragged for this and that, and people always drag him for his his female characters. But right, he, he stumbled into Holly. I say stumbled into Holly. He she was intentional. He he made her. But um, right, right. I think I think people reacted to her in a way that told him um, this is a real person. You know, and and it became someone he could like right from right from within that um would not get him dragged you know if right. that makes sense well and i don't think that like your term of your the your usage of the word stumble is inaccurate um because that's just how he writes he doesn't yeah he didn't sit down and go i'm gonna write out this bill hodges trilogy like that's not how he works it's like he sits down and and uh, lets the story take him where it's going to take him and mm-hmm. so yes i think he like in a major way stumbled on the holly because it was a character that yeah it's like i need a character for this and then he just <laughs> i can almost see him like it's like there's something shiny and sparkly in the corner that he, you know, he's focused on Bill Hodges and then he just, yeah. his eyes keep drifting over to the corner. He's yeah. like, this is more interesting. This is more interesting. This is more interesting. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a poem yeah. by James Dickey. I probably can't recite it all. It's called a birth and it's about this. It's, um, it's, let's see, it says writing a story with grass. I discover a horse in it. And I feel like that, that's what he was doing with the mm-hmm. Mr. Mercedes trilogy. He was writing yeah. a story mm-hmm. with Bill Hodges and he discovered Holly, you know? And, it, it, it's always wonderful and weird when that happens. You, When somebody real just like raises their hand and says, look over here. And you're like, oh, you. And then everything coalesces around that 
character, that person, and you're you're going for a ride, and it's wonderful. She's also not a guns blazing person, in despite what kind of happens uh, towards the end of this book, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into here in a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, she's all she's not the person that's gonna get into a conflict and pull out, you know, fucking yeah. Navy SEAL moves and shit. You know, she's, yeah. you know, she's a, a middle aged lady that's, you know, she's not like a, a sharpshooter. She's not a, a martial arts badass. She's just somebody who is very empathetic and ne- a little neurotic and has all this crazy family drama going on and you know but also just ha- cares and has a good mind for for uh you know putting pieces together and solving stuff and mm-hmm. trying to help people out so yeah yeah i think it's yeah. i think it's her her lack of superpowers for lack mm-hmm. of a better term yeah you know she's not solving these mysteries with you know psychic powers or you mm-hmm. know visions or whatever you know nonsense you could throw at this she's yeah. just fastidious about the details and I, I find I find stories about people who are just exceptionally good at their jobs always fun to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you want to you want to read a thing or watch a thing if you're watching like movies or TV shows. I mean, it, like, I, you know, I'm describing a procedural, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when, and when you see people just executing like that and then they have a an endearing personality on top of it, you know, that's that's a hard character to beat. And that's, that's yeah, what Holly is through and through. Yeah. And you know, she's not dealing with like, like Bill Hodges, he was dealing with alcoholism, you know, which is, yeah. which is a big thing. The only thing she's really dealing with as far as that is cigarettes, which I mean, yeah, I'm, a, yeah. I'm not she saying cigarettes smoking. <laughs> yeah, she does. But that, that those moments of vulnerability where she sits sideways in the front seat of her car with her legs on the ground and she smokes those cigarettes. Um, that's when I feel like I know Holly the very, very best, you know, mm. I think it's interesting that he makes Holly a smoker. Mm-hmm. It's it's incongruous to modern times, I feel like. Yeah. You know, um when like when I was growing up, you know, we were smoking cigarettes when we were like 14, yeah. you know, yeah. punk kids like down by the creek smoking cigarettes and yeah. you know, and, like that was your activity. You know, mm-hmm. you were just you thought you were really cool and then I smoked for a fucking god almost 20 years probably before I quit. Uh Um, But it's apparent now that I've, I've quit smoking, how few people smoke these days. It Uh seems like, you know, um, you go to a bar now and check out like, first of all, there's no smoking inside, but like, look at the, 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 there used to be like a crowd around the, around the front of the place, then you mm-hmm. go outside to smoke, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you see far less of that these yeah, days. Um, There's just, I don't know. You know, I'm sure the tobacco industry is not hurting, but yeah, I, yeah. I feel like it's a, it's an interesting trait to give this particular character, especially since she's so, uh, again, fastidious. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's a, it's a good, um, did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. It, it's, I think it's her, the, her smoking is, it pairs really nicely with the pandemic because COVID attacks your lungs and you have, to take right. your mask, you have to take your mask off to smoke and it doesn't help your lungs any. So Holly is, like you say, fastidious about masking, sanitizing, wearing gloves, all that stuff. Yet she still gives into her compulsions and has to rip that mask off and drag <laughs> on a cigarette, you know? And she's self-aware about it too. And yeah. she, you know, she mentions it a couple of times where she knows how hypocritical and ridiculous yeah. it is, but also she's she's like, I need this right now. And so I'm doing this for me. So yeah. 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 
maybe she'll be like the that what is, what is that walk hard the Dewey Cox story. She starts out <laughs> with one. She keeps going to bigger and bigger things. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. We don't need we don't need Holly Gibney strung out on on crack. That's, that's gonna make for a not great novel. I don't think. Yeah. Um, you know what? One of my nieces is in that movie. Actually, I forgot about that. Yeah. What movie? Um, Walk Hard? Hard, the Dewey, Dewey Cox story. Oh, really? Who's she yeah. play? She is one of his like 19 or 22 kids. She was, she was a baby at the time. <laughs> oh. yeah. but, but, but she got her SAG card because of that, you know? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I think there's one more topic we can talk about without before we go into the more spoilery stuff. Um, and that is a thing that King does from time to time. And I'd love to to throw this out on the table as a mm-hmm. discussion topic that he does here where he acknowledges not his writing, but movie adaptations of his writing oh. in his books. So in here, he specifically name drops the Shawshank Redemption as a movie that exists uh-huh. and get busy living, get busy dying is, uh-huh. is repeated. In this, in the past, he's talked about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Having uh-huh. seen that, it's like, like, what do you make of that? Where it's like in this world, Stephen King movies exist. Then you know, so by default, that should mean Stephen yeah. King is an author that yeah. exists in this world that wrote the original. Oh, yeah, stuff. it, it does mm-hmm. extend out to that. I had not, I had not taken it that far. So, but- what, what do you, what do you make of that? Do you think that that's something that he? Like there's a deeper reason in there or just that as he's writing, he gets to a point and then he flashes on Morgan Freeman saying, get busy, live and get busy, die. And yeah. that's something the character would say in this moment. He just says, fuck it. I'm going to throw it in there. Do you think it's I, the, as much of that or is there, do you think there's a deeper reason for I think, that kind uh, of I meta mean, thing? I think it just more of a mechanical reason for me, I guess. Um, if I'm, if I read this book and I'm then, going to be in a lonely gas station and I see an elderly couple at a van struggling to get a powered wheelchair up a ramp. Yeah. My impulse before this book is to run over there and help them. But right. Have you seen bu- Henry portrait of a serial killer? Yeah, I know. I know. Or silence of the lambs. Right? Yeah. And, um, yeah. But, um, but after reading this book, I think I am, I'm hopefully I still help, but I'm going to have, I'm going to be watching my back while I do it, you know? And I think the way, the <laughs> way King the gun can, drawn, <laughs> yeah, no. the way King can make me watch my back is if he, um, tricks me into thinking this is the real world. This isn't like a made up world. And, and he, his work has so fully, um, permeated through, through our whole, our whole world that to erase it would be to say, this is not the world that I live in, you know? So right. to keep it my world and to make it scary, there has to be Shawshank redemption, I think. Hmm. Yeah. I think that, I mean, he may, he's mentioned before of like, he got knocked for throwing in product placement, quote yeah. unquote product placement, yeah. like mentioning instead of, you know, the, the teen drank a soda is like the teen drank a Pepsi Cola. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. the reason that he does that is cause like, cause that's what kids drink. You know, people, the kids aren't drinking, you know, soda, the soda they're drinking uh, a name uh. brand thing. They're eating, you know, Totino's pizza rolls or whatever you know it's like yeah, yeah. it's like that's what the world is and if i'm here to reflect the world and to make you as you said make you feel scared yeah. about what's in the world i have to place you in there into something you re- recognize so maybe For that's, sure. that's yeah. definitely an extension of that i didn't think of it that way and you know back back in the 90s that kind of fiction got labeled kmart fiction i think what's her name mm. bobby bobby and mason was like instead of saying like instead of like on a sitcom, you would see somebody drinking beer and it would just say beer on the side instead of Coors right. or anything. Um, she started just saying Crest and Coors and Toyota and all the brands, and people are like, mm-hmm. "This is weird." And um, but but now I do. Now I think we 
no longer say beer toothpaste we say crest and pepsi and everything mm-hmm. and it just makes it feel like it's our world and that's that that's better that to me that's a lot better anyways right and you know talking pepsi isn't there a fan theory that king's good characters drink pepsi and his bad characters drink coke is that right <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't. I haven't heard that, but I would. Yeah. I, I could. I imagine. I can imagine how that would be a theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I totally sure. agree. I totally agree with it because I drink Pepsi. You know. So oh, I think, interesting. I, I think you're, I'm a good character. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm very firmly in the. Uh, do you have Coke? No Pepsi. I'll take a water. That's my. That, that, that's that's the, the the series of events usually um, uh, for me. But like going into like the Northeast, you know, I know Moxie's the the national or the state drink of of Maine, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the Northeast, people drink way more Pepsi than they do in the rest yeah. of the country. So, yeah. so it yeah. doesn't surprise me that King King is a Pepsi yeah. person. But you know, in Texas, I mean, y'all y'all hear this all the time. Like, you pull up to a town and country, or I guess there's stripes now, right? Or a convenience store, yeah. and you say somebody says, "Do you want a Coke?" And you say, "Yeah, I want a Coke. Get me a Dr Pepper." You know, like Coke yeah. is the, is the, the Coke term. mean soda, like Kleenex. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And as for the thing about King inserting himself into the stories, I think. I think we briefly discussed this like off air best, be- but I, I just, I don't think he, I don't think he thinks about this stuff as much as we do. Yeah. You know? So I don't think he's, I think when he has an opportunity to do it, he'll just do it and let the chips fall where they may. I don't think he's thinking, okay, well, how does that impact the reality of this? And how does that, does that mean now that this fits into Oh yeah, this timeline or is this part of the dark tower now because suddenly I exist in it I like I really just <clears throat> I don't think I don't think he concerns concerns himself with that kind of stuff yeah right yeah yeah you know yeah he doesn't, As he doesn't we have... found when I asked him about the outsider and yeah versus Pennywise and if they were the same yeah I heard that, species that or whatever he was like I don't fucking know you know yeah. like <laughs> yeah. sure I don't know, you know, he, know what, what, what do you say did, did he say get a life or something yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like after that, it's kind of like, yeah, we're probably thinking about this shit too hard. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah. Like, so yeah. I think that's that's another another case of that. Um, I yeah. want to dig into some of the more spoilery stuff. Yeah, so if you're listening, all right, yeah, this far and you're worried about spoilers, go ahead and hit the bricks until you've finished Holly. Uh, available in stores now, but um, I'd like to talk about the the cannibalism angle in this story. Yes. And I feel like cannibalism is having a little bit of a moment right now yeah. in between this. <laughs> oh, is it? Yellow jackets. You know, uh, yeah. um, there was tender, something else tender, I just tender, saw recently. Tender is the flesh, that novel. Yeah. I haven't read that. Yeah. But there, I swear yeah. there was something else I saw recently where, where uh, cannibalism played a role in it. And I'm curious, uh, do these things just happen in cycles or do you think there's something about our present time and place? That is that is bringing cannibalism to the forefront for some of these oh, creators. That's a good question. Well, society is eating each other right now. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, yeah. I, there is. It's a lot of you know. Uh, there's a lot of man on. I almost said man on man. That's a that's a different genre. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot of man versus man right now. There's just so many. The right mm-hmm. wing and the left wing are at each other's throats. You know, you got all the the shit happening with Israel and Palestine. You got, you know, it's, it feels like conflict is is rising right now. And is there is that uh, something in the air? And does that mean that we kind of like, you know, cannibal stories now? Because it's, you know, people feasting on other people and, yeah. you know, and it's a way for us to kind of 
think about how kind of fucked we are as the world and as a democracy sure. and all this shit at the current <clears throat> moment with all the hatred running. I don't know. There may be a deeper meaning in there, or maybe that's just we're noticing it now because of, you know, just the way the world is. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Or uh, kind of in keeping with that, but less of a political angle. Um, I think we're all aware that um, resources are dwindling on planet yeah. earth, you know, and the, the, the great wheat fields are going to collapse. The oceans are going to, on a, get toxic and all the bad stuff. Um, so we are going to be eating each other pretty soon, I imagine. So we could just be narratively preparing ourselves for that. And, <laughs> you know, it, And it also feels like sort of, <clears throat> it feels taboo in a way that, you, you know, some, you know, some traits that you might give a villain otherwise, like mm-hmm. let's say they're just a standard serial killer or, you know, like, I don't know, whatever, an arsonist, yeah. you know, a, a cannibal yeah. is something we don't, I don't know. It's still, it still feels a little dangerous, you know, mm. and, and like kind of gross yeah, and, and it's, taboo, yeah. and it's pr- particularly gross in, in Holly. Like mm. it's not just that these, you know, these two uh, professors are like butchering people in their basement and, and eating them. Like, no, they're like, they're going whole hog on this. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're, they're using, they're rendering fat and you like rubbing it into their joints to, to, you know, uh, to ease sciatica and yeah. shit like that. And it's just so fucking gross. Every, every bit of the brains in like mixed with ice cream and a little parfait glass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, well, um, and it, the, the, it's even in the process of, it's not like they're humanely killing their food. Like there's a, mm-hmm. a torturous process, kind of like what Buffalo Bill does, yeah. you know, where he has to, you know, starve the larger women first so he can cut their skin easier. Yeah. It's like here they're, imprisoned and in in the kind of deranged mind of uh uh what's his name rodney harris uh you know he's kind of this nutritionist and believes in all this you know uh healing powers of meat essentially um uh and he he doesn't just like starve them he he like is trying to force them to eat raw liver because he believes that the raw liver will um activates uh, them uh, yeah activates them in some way and makes makes their stuff even more supercharged healing mm-hmm. you know you know yeah, for, for yeah. This, this older couple that's keeping them young or keeping them mobile or whatever yeah um it, so there's this really kind of deranged you know thomas harris ish uh you know side of this where the the serial killers are are kind of torturing their prey before they they uh, finish him off. Um, and one thing, since we're in spoiler territories, I really want to get into unless somebody else wants to jump in on this. Well, this topic. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump yeah. in. Um, okay, do it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, a thing I want to jump into. Yeah. To me, eating the human meat was not the gross part. The gross part was like the parfaits and just all the, all the mm. fancy foods, like fancy foods always to me are gross, you know? Like, <laughs> yes. I've been to restaurants where they put goose liver pate in front of me and it looks like puke. And I don't think it tastes very good. Nope. I say I say I don't think it does. I I don't have the nerve to try it. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> well, I'm, just I'm, imagine it's a snake in front of you, and then you yeah can, exactly you can, you can uh, pick it up. Yeah, I've I've eaten some snakes that have tried to bite me actually. But um, but I remember the manager had to come over to talk to me. Like he pulls me aside and asks, "Sir, what is wrong?" And I'm I'm like, "That is what's wrong." You're like, <laughs> you're like "Do you know what you serve me?" <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. what's wrong. Exactly. But you know that I understand the reason for the taboo against eating human meat. Cause if we feed on each other, there won't be any of us left, you know? And also there's the thing with the, the prions and the brains, you get that twitch in your hand from eating too many, but um, right. do you think though, like, <laughs> you know, could you eat, could you eat human meat? 
Yeah, I could, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if I have actually, but um, yeah, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> fucking what? <laughs> well, I just can't. I've been to so many like junky restaurants and you know cart food and stuff. How could how could I have avoided it? You know, but I would never know. And it's just to me, it's just what? meat. It's just it's just like, meat. You know. Okay, look, if you were like <laughs> maybe I accidentally got served deer, and somebody told me it was beef or like it was bison, and someone it was like advertised as ground, you know, cow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's different than human meat, which involved a murder at some well, point. You're maybe, saying you think it's possible that you could have yeah. encountered some sort of Yeah, uh, like um what's that that Dixie Trick song? Eat where they grind Earl up and feed him out of a barbecue shack or something. <laughs> I, I was thinking Sweeney Todd. So we're we're, <laughs> we're we're on the same we're on the same page. But like yeah, I yeah. I also kind of feel like I would never choose to do this. Yeah, but yeah. if it was like a life or death thing, I feel like I could absolutely do it. Oh yeah, it's just meat. I mean, it, once you get the skin off, it's just it's the same as anything to me. You know, I mean, if it's somebody you know, if it's somebody you know and have hung out with for a lot of your life, that's going to make it different. But well, yeah, that, but a no, passing it, acquaintance, totally fine. You, w- you <laughs> yeah. wouldn't eat a pet, but yeah. like you well, know, or yeah. a friend. But yeah, yeah, uh, Vespi, do you think you could you could cannibalize? In a in an emergency situation, oh f- yeah, fuck yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going out of my way to do it, but yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I the the qualms that I would have about it, you know, are way more in the uh, psychological than the actual, you know, uh. oh the what's the taste gonna weird me out? Like yeah. I, I don't know. Like remember when Taco Bell got yeah. in trouble because they found fucking horse meat or something yeah. in their meat. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was like, I would never eat a horse, like knowingly eat a uh-huh. horse. But when that news came out, I'm like, well, I mean, fucking Taco Bell can be delicious. So I guess, <laughs> I guess if I ate horse, I ate horse, you yeah. know? So yeah, I, 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 I don't, I'd be, I'd be more worried about is it cooked all the way through? Cause I don't like any pink in my meat. So as long as it's, Oh really? So you're what? a well done guy. Oh, I'm a, I'm a burned guy. I like it. Like, Oh man. I, so we take well, you to a steakhouse. You're getting raised eyebrows. Yeah. yeah, I get fish at steakhouses because I always end up in conflict That's... with the kitchen, the kitchen staff because they come out and do they glare at me and try to bully yeah. me around into eating pink food, you know? Well, as well they should. You're killing their 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 art. Good lord, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm astounded at this development because I, yeah. if I had to guess, I would have been like, oh, he's blood red. Oh no, like, no, absolutely. I did. I did eat a pound of ground beef once um, when I was about twenty three. <laughs> Yeah, raw. Just to see what I want to. I want to see what it was like. So I did it. Maybe that's it, why you don't like pink food. You're not supposed to do it that way, dude. It could. It couldn't be. It could be. But it was just like it was like. Um, I don't know. It was kind of like cold oatmeal. You know, it wasn't very good, and I didn't like it. <laughs> cold oatmeal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well. I don't. This is this is the most troubling thing you've said on this show ever. That that you're a well done steak guy. Like there's no there's no fucking way. Like, Not only well done steak, but um, if I can ever get a steak cooked like I like it, then I ask for a big old thing of ketchup. You know. Mm. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's better or worse than ranch, but you know, uh, we're, we're, we'll, the Kingcast will n- will not be taking you to a fancy steakhouse anytime soon. We will allocate our our finances in a, a different direction. Whataburger, uh, Whataburger, Whataburger, it Whataburger. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, are you a medium rare guy, Scott? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I and yeah. some, sometimes rare because sometimes like I'll say medium rare and it'll come out and it's still like there's no pink in it. It's like that's uh, not what that's uh, not what we discussed. See, I don't, I don't like bloody, uh, so I almost always order my steaks medium because 
if it's undercooked a little bit, then it's that medium rare that I want. If it's overcooked a little bit, it's still got a little, you know, red in the center. Right. Oh. So I think medium's yeah. like the safe bet. If I'm going to a fancy steakhouse that like that's their primary thing and they know it, not like a Texas roadhouse, but like a real deal. Right. You know, like there's a steakhouse in, in Austin called the Roaring Fork that I love that's yes. right next to the Paramount and uh, delicious, uh, incredible food like there. I would say medium rare because I know that they would do it perfectly mm-hmm. but but yeah no I, I i like it when it's when it's uh now you're i'm thinking of cuts of human meat what is <laughs> can i get medium rare on that uh on that thigh from that cyclist yeah is that gonna be too tough i don't know yeah you know one um, place i found that'll cook a steak like you wanted is golden corral man they will do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i bet golden corral cooks a steak like you like they of do course they do. they're fucking the golden corral the only place in the world where you can get a plate of spaghetti and some swordfish and an ice cream sundae all at the same time <laughs> swordfish swordfish is my favorite my favorite food i think i was at a banquet once and they had that on the um on the banquet it was self-serve and i ate 11 swordfish steaks man that's one of my points of pride swordfish is delicious yeah Yeah. it's so good man it's i think predator i think predator fish probably tastes better than prey fish maybe Mm. that's an interesting theory yeah i've I've eaten shark shark before too and shark was delectable man yeah i've had shark shark is good yeah i prefer swordfish to to shark though it's got a milder taste yeah i agree i agree yeah yeah. Anyway, yeah. well, <laughs> eating people. So, but, um, you know, so, but 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 talking about eating stuff in in yeah. this Holly novel, um, to me, when Rodney Harris was trying to get all these captives one at a time to eat that raw liver, that was truly gross to me. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's, well, just, it's it's a calf liver, but still, it's just raw. You know. It's it's just raw and nobody wants to eat it, and so mm-hmm. they don't give them the option of like yeah. I'm going to bring you a fresh one. They like yeah. leave it out there rotting. Oh man! Um, so the longer they wait, the more putrid it gets. And yeah, yeah, like, I can do that. I don't. I don't think I could choke that down. I, I, no, you know I did eat it. The first deer I ever shot when I was twelve or so, I did cut out a little cube of its raw liver and ate it, just kind of for my own little private ceremony. But um, yeah, it, it was more like just swallow this gross thing and don't chew it. You know. Yeah, that's that's different than like yeah. like a whole liver. Yeah. You know, and that's one of those things where like you can't really just close your eyes and fucking down the hatch with it. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. going to have to really chew through that bad boy. Yeah. And then there's yeah. and it's not just a few bites, it's a whole ass liver. I I legit do not think that I could physically do it. I know. Um, without yeah. and, I, and I really yeah. one of my favorite scenes in this this novel is um what's her name something crosslaw uh mm. ellen crosslaw maybe mm. huh. it's the it's the lady that's like fuck that i'm a vegan bring me a salad <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that that is her yeah i, I yeah. love that whole uh oh, sequence it's like yeah you know, and they're like well what do we do now like, they're, they're, yeah. like they don't they're yeah. genuinely stymied by this this woman who's just you know yeah. and that refuses that to play that game and that puts them in a bind. They have to go out quicker than they want to for their next right. victim. And that kind of exposes yeah. them exposes them to Holly a little bit more, which was a wonderful development. I thought. Well, the, and that's the thing that there's, there's multiple things I want to address about this book. And that's one of them is that these, one thing that I really love about this story is that these evil, this evil older couple that's eating people 
they're not good serial killers. They're they're yeah. doing it all fucking wrong. Yeah. I mean, they're they're hunting kind of in their own neighborhood. Yeah. You know, they they're taking people they know, mm-hmm. you know, and that they recognize because they're using that as like, oh, I know this person. I can help them, you know, in this mm-hmm. this thing like two thirds of the people they take are, are people that they're attached to in some yeah. way. Yeah. Like, come on. I'm you're, you're like if I decided I wanted to kidnap and eat people. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a, a better go at it than, uh, yeah. um, uh, than these dudes, than the Harris's. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. I love that. They're just fucking the, these old people who don't think about everything. Like they, they're smart enough to try to, you know, clear out any yeah. reference, like, uh, the whole trailer parks, you know, sequence of the story where they're telling about the old lady that came out and cleared out like all this evidence and stuff that might've attached them to the, one of their victims. And mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, I don't know, like they're smart on one end, but they also, yeah. they're just bad at being serial killers. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of, that, that's really, on. Um the the wife what's the wife's name it's rodney and emily what? emily yeah emily. emily like she's the actual like evil one here i think i think rodney has some twisted ideas but um he's but, the idea man she's she's the one who gets yeah you know, is yeah. enthusiastic about it yeah yeah and she i think most of the targeting is i feel like it's her you know like she's, yeah it's a lot of people she doesn't like or the kinds of people she doesn't like yeah know? yeah and i think when you're eating people to um punish them that's a whole different thing than trying to get healthy you know yeah <laughs> yeah it is you know, talking, the, talking livers, I'm just remembering. My dad and I shot an elk probably about 10, 12 years ago. Big cow elk, brought her home, and we cut, we were cutting her up and pulled the liver out, threw it to the side. Elk livers are big old things, you know, like probably four pounds, big old slobbing purple meat. Yeah. Sure. Was, my dad's Rottweiler was around, and he walks over and just slurps that whole thing up, and we, looked, we both looked at him because we didn't know what he was going to do, and he just swallowed the whole thing down without chewing it, which was pretty impressive. Jesus. And then about 30 minutes later, he's over there puking it up and he pukes it up just like it was when he swallowed it. What? Yeah. And he looks at it, looks at us and we look at him and he eats it back. And he spent the whole afternoon throwing that liver up and eating it back in. And I don't know how it, I don't know if he ever held it down or not, man. (laughs) That's a, that's, that's what would happen to me if the Harris's had kidnapped me. Like, uh, because I don't like liver to begin with. So I might get desperate enough to swallow (laughs) it down. I just keep puking it back up whole. I had like one when my wife and I were together, we had a dog named Fiber who was a, a pit mix. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, you know, big dog, uh, very, very muscular, big, big fucking mouth on this dog. And uh, we lived in an, a, a, a neighborhood that had a lot of um, rabbits in the area. And uh, one day I um, went out in the backyard and uh, I see Fiber like over in the corner, the very corner of the, the backyard. So a distance away from me mm-hmm. and uh, she's facing away and I can see her shoulders sort of working, you know, like a <laughs> fucking xenomorph when it's eating somebody. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, no, what's she doing over there? You know, and uh, I started walking toward her. I was like, Fiber, Fiber, yeah. hey, Fiber. And, you know, f- finally, when I was about 10 feet away, she turned and looked at me and on my life. Uh, she turns and looks and there's a bunny rabbit's head sticking out of her mouth. Wow. Uh, with the ears out, Wow. you know, and like, I have enough time to make eye contact with the rabbit <laughs> and I'm like five or no. And she goes and just swallowed the fucking thing. <laughs> and I stood there with like my jaw on the floor. Like I had no idea. Like she just ate a fucking whole ass bunny, you know? And I like, I called the vet and I was like, so listen, you know, and I'm like, I just, just, I'm describing this like 
it was like, you know, oh, I haven't man. lost any sleep over this, but it was like a traumatic <laughs> thing to witness in the moment because yeah, yeah. I didn't, I would have told you that was impossible that she could like swallow a rabbit whole, like it's skeleton, you know? Uh-huh, and uh, uh-huh. the vet was just like, oh yeah, this happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Uh-huh. I was like, what do you mean? Don't worry about it. She ate, I, maybe you're yeah. not hearing me. She ate the rabbit whole, like with the skeleton <laughs> and the fur. And they're like, yeah, they do that. Um, yeah. That's fine. Just uh, keep an eye on her. And if it doesn't, you know, she's not going to the bathroom like uh, yeah. in the next 24 hours. We might have a problem. But yeah, it'll her uh, stomach will break all that shit down. I was nice. like, what? And sure enough, it did. No nice. problem. Yeah. That, that must be how wolves do it, too, because you can always tell wolf scat when you find it out in the woods because it's just wound really tight with usually deer hair, sometimes elk hair. Mm. But it, it's it's it looks like an owl pellet kind of. But it's just it's got so much hair in it. Like they eat the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, animals or bodies are a lot more resilient. You know? Oh man, yeah. I have yeah. fucking four white claws, and the next day I'm hungover. You know, because <laughs> I'm a middle aged man. It's disgusting. As long as you don't give them chocolate, then, yeah. then we're fine. Yeah, um, true, true. Another thing that I really love about uh, Holly and, and the attack that King chooses to take here is that this isn't a story where. The, the this girl's mom hires you know you, it's kind of built to be little silence of the lambs yeah. so you think that like for the first two-thirds of it you kind of think as we're getting all this backstory and, he, and seeing yeah. the the previous victims of of the harrises and getting their story and and kind of getting to know the harrises through that getting to know their previous victims there's a skateboard kid mm-hmm. there's the vegan that we talked about mm-hmm. there's a uh um, a professor that mm-hmm. she doesn't like you know that's like kind of a liberal professor a poet as well um and uh uh, you know, so you have all these things, you're getting all this stuff and you're thinking that, OK, we're just hearing the backstory and we're going to catch up to, to our modern time. And the woman, uh, the mother who hires Holly, you know, it's her little girl that and Holly's going to get there in time to save her. And it's like, nope, not yep. a, this isn't the story. This is like you start to realize because King pay attention to the dates if you reread this and how mm-hmm. King is using his time jumps. And at a certain point, if you're paying attention to the dates, you go, wait a minute, this isn't lining up. They don't mm-hmm. hold people for that long. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you realize about two thirds of the way through, this isn't that story. This isn't Holly coming in to save the day at the end and rescuing this poor girl. And matter of fact, the way King ends up twisting it is the girl in a weird way saves Holly because she leaves yeah. her earring behind and in a place where Holly finds it. And she, that's how Holly is able to kind of, well, she she literally uses it to slit a throat, but yeah. uh, you know it's the the one crucial you know bit that that uh, happened, and I just love that twist on expectation. I just love that you think yeah. it's going one way, and then uh, then it, it becomes quite apparent that that's that's not how shit works. You know, when uh-huh. these private detectives are hired, they're nine times out of ten. If it's not just a simple runaway or, you know, a big Lebowski, bunny Lebowski situation, yeah. Yeah. you know, where they're just off and, and blowing off steam somewhere nine times out of 10, it's too late. By the time the, the cops haven't done their job or they feel like they've exhausted the legal stuff and they're out of PI, they, they, they aren't going to find, find their, their missing person alive if they've been taken, you know? So yeah. I don't know. I thought that was a really fucking interesting. No, that, that was really cool. Thing. And uh, talking those dates, I tried to track them for the first two or three instances. And then I just gave up cause I couldn't keep it all in my it's head. A lot. And, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a lot, but I think that's intentional too. I think, um, 
King puts that there for those who want to like keep a little scratch pad to write it down and, and track those kind of things and be their own Holly, you know, but right. for those, those of us who are just riding the ride, um, we don't have to pay attention to the dates. I don't think, but your the expectation that it is going to be a Sons of the Lambs build where the Congresswoman's daughter gets saved. Um, yeah. it was wonderful to frustrate, frustrate that expectation. You know, it's the same way. What's that movie? The clearing. Do you remember the clearing? It was based on, Tim Gattrall's novel, The Clearing, I think. And it's got Willem Dafoe in it. And it's a similar thing, like somebody's lost or abducted and maybe being held ransom. I don't remember. But you think that you're going back and forth in the same time, but it turns out that the person who you're seeing in their predicament is long dead, you know? And it's it's really a pretty cool thing to do. And I guess I just spoiled mm. it for a lot of people who didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, yeah, media when they do that is, is great. The Orphanage is another example of, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, twisting that expectation and, yeah. you know, in a tragic way. Yeah. yeah. But it wouldn't be a King story if it didn't go dark, you know? And I think that's, that's right. the story's darkness. I mean, it's easy to say that cannibalism is a darkness, but I think the darkness is that expectation that this innocent person will live, you know? Yeah, I thought oh, for sure. I thought until way late in the novel that she was still going to somehow be alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like longer yeah. than I should have. You know, yeah. like there, yeah. there's the, there comes the scene where they've eventually got her like, um, like strapped down to a fucking table and like mm-hmm. they're about to go to work on her. And even still, I thought yeah. like, so something happens at the last second and they couldn't do it. And, you know, they're <laughs> yeah. going to find her. But like, yeah, I but I I agree with you and I appreciate that he didn't pull that particular punch yeah no you know i actually thought um the way i thought this was going to end which would have i don't know it would have been fun i don't know if it would have been better it probably wouldn't have been was um since we're in spoiler land now holly uses that earring to kill emily and then she you know kills rodney too and or i guess the other way around right yeah and so they're both lying dead outside of her little cage her little cell in the basement I thought that I it was going to be two weeks before um, she got found, and she was going <laughs> to right. she was going to reach out there and pluck off pieces of meat off Emily to eat. You know that would have been a that would have been really fun for me. <laughs> wow! You know, I bet King would have entertained that if it wasn't Holly Gibney in yeah, the cell. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think that he he would just view that as a step too far for her, knowing that yeah. he'd want to continue. And I think he's already announced that Holly's uh, figures figures in uh, his next. Oh, nice. He, well, when doing press for this, he said that he has two books. One of them's a novel. One of them's a short story collection oh, coming nice. up, and uh, that Holly features into the novel as well. Oh, that's so. cool. I didn't know that. That's good to yeah. hear. I, I, like so, hanging, like, I like hanging out yeah, with her. He couldn't do that to Holly. He might have done it if it was like a random like one-off you know uh story about being yeah. kidnapped or whatever but yeah. uh yeah but you know you know talking about us expecting that that woman to not get eaten he has that line in there um there's no more exquisite torture than hope and so he's basically instilling that hope in us you know and it, yeah. it, it is torturous True. yeah I, mean, I think the development about holly essentially becoming a millionaire in yes this, yeah uh, uh, novel is really interesting yeah and on i'm i don't know where i mean you could go in all kinds of different directions with that you know to me it sort of just establishes that now going forward with this character we don't have to spend any time worrying about is she like working enough yeah. you know yeah. she could be pickier with her cases she mm-hmm. could you know it's it's in 
it's an interesting it's an interesting development for her. And I'm, it is, I'm yeah. Curious about your your thoughts on this. It's also it's also dangerous, I think, because it's so easy for her to shade over into Bruce Wayne, who does this because he hates he hates muggers, you know, or, or something right. like that. And like he like Bruce Wayne doesn't have to do it. Holly doesn't have to do it. She does it because she wants to. And that to me is a really big difference from um, somebody called on the phone and now I'm embroiled in this terrible thing, you know. Well, I, I like the way that 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 uh, she gets the money, though. Um, yeah. And, and and here's the she's the kind of person who's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I'm happy in my little apartment. Like, I'm happy with all this stuff. Uh, I, I do not have that problem. If I inherited six million dollars, uh, <laughs> especially from somebody who I had a very troubled and bad relationship with. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would be like, great. You know what that just means is like, even if I don't want to go buy Ferraris and you know, a private jet or whatnot. Like what I'm like, that, that's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested in that either much like Holly, but you know yeah. what that means is it means I can do whatever, whatever I yeah. want without having to, yeah. uh, you know, for a job. Like if I decide that, you know, this is my passion and I want to do it, it doesn't matter if it pays me, you know, mm-hmm. 12,000 a year or whatever, you know, I, th- suddenly you have that security, then you can, yeah. you know, like I don't have a problem. A lot of people are like, Oh, the curse of money. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I'm sure that there's a bunch of shit I'm not thinking about, but yeah. Yeah. like, you know, uh, Oh, give me that curse any day over, yeah. you know, o- over yeah. any of the other myriad of curses. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all saw Brewster's millions, you know, but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe, maybe Holly's next story. She will just go on like a two year vacation to the, Bahamas, but just like Columbo, when he goes on t- on a cruise, there's a murder. Trouble falls. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but I'd I'd like how how it's not just that she inherits this money from her mother who died, um, who her mo- her mother's been a fairly big fixture in in Holly's world and, and uh-huh. in these books that she's in. Um, I I love I don't. I love it because it's 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 a surprise inheritance because she had been told that this money had been essentially yeah. swindled. The family yeah. fortune had been swindled in bad investments, and we find out it was a lie, and mostly because her mom was still trying to control her and didn't like that she had her own mm-hmm. detective agency and didn't want her to do that. So she essentially made up this this fairy tale of this con man who tricked her into a bad investment and lost the family money mm-hmm. um, just because it, she didn't want she, she wanted Holly's business to fail and didn't and thought if uh, Holly knew that she had millions coming that she could write out whatever, yeah. uh, you know, bad financial stuff happened. And so, mm-hmm. so, so the money is like both a, uh, a happy thing and it's a sad thing because for her it's reminding her of her mother's manipulation yeah that's right true. that's true uh so i i do like how king went out of his way so it's not just that blatant and then here's a surprise you get a six million dollar inheritance yeah. you know it's yeah. like landing on the the chance card in monopoly or whatever yeah, you know for sure like he actually makes it more complicated he does yeah really and, it, and also also that inheritance gives holly that wonderful refrain she can go to time and again that joke a millionaire walks into a bar or a millionaire yeah. walks into a yeah. parking lot all that stuff that, that was that's really- the most stephen king shit there where she's yeah. fucking trying to tell this long elaborate yeah. joke to the yeah. to the fucking people trying to kill her while she's trapped in her basement you yeah, know that again that, that's authorly bullshit it would never happen in real life but it's 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 the stephen king flourish you love so love it man I yeah that's it. her like you know arnold schwarzenegger always like holly loves arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah, you know it's true mm-hmm. arnold schwarzenegger always has like a you know a pithy one-liner yeah, yeah. um yeah. I, that i, I kind of read that as like that was 
that's her version of it, you know, mm-hmm. and it, there's nothing simple about it. It's not a one liner. She's got to tell the whole joke and set it up properly and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, right. that that works for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it was, it was fun. It was fun. And also, there's just a, there's a lot of good writing in this novel, too. You know, oh, like, it's um, gorgeously written. Like my, probably my my favorite is there's plenty of day left in the day. I've never heard it said like that. You know, mm. that, that was just so simple and direct and wonderful and evocative. And he also has, um, he has no idea what she's talking about. The plane is entering another cloud bank and that plane entering another cloud bank is riding. Oh, yeah. Drifting into another senior moment of his Alzheimer's, you know, but yeah. that, that's such a wonderful way to say it. The plane is entering another cloud bank, you know? Yeah. And you yeah. know, you, yeah, you get exactly the feel. Yeah. He absolutely is. I mean, we're all fans of Stephen King, like, you know, even the books that we might not be huge fans of. I think mm-hmm. we're all in agreement that he's a great writer, but he yeah. is yeah. becoming better. Right. Yeah, he is. Like, I'm I not agree. imagining that. No, I think he is. He's he's at the height of whatever he's doing, I think, you know, and it, there may be heights yet. There may be heights yet left to reach, you know, he definitely feels like he's just relaxed. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like he's trying or putting on. He's yeah. got nothing left to prove. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's like it's just oh. him like. Yeah, kicking back and, and telling a yarn. Like, I, I'm sure that it's kind of like a great athlete, right? Uh-huh. Where you watch them and you go, oh, they just make tennis look so easy. Anybody could do it. Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of where he's, he feels like at, at the moment where it's just like, oh, I'm just going to relax and get out there and have some fun. You know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and that this is what comes out. There, there's yeah. just something about him not holding back in, in his prose or something that, yeah, it's like, that it's you like, feel. It's like you're at the park shooting basketball and Michael Jordan shows up and says, you want to play, you know, and he's he's got everything he needs, but he doesn't need to beat you, you know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just wonderful. So he there's, he, there's he, does, he does beat you though. <laughs> well, of course he beats. You. Yeah. yeah, no shit. Like you could beat beat me, you know, blinded and with a hand tied behind his back. You could still still outdo yeah. it. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, this thing about him having another novel in the works that has Holly involved. Um, I read also that you know Jerome plays a big role in one uh, of his upcoming novels, okay. uh, more so than he did here. Um. But we also know that he's got this like it's not a Cujo sequel, but uh like a year or two ago he was huh. he was talking about a book that Yeah. I think it has to do with like a rattlesnake in a fucking pit with some That's kids. right. He did say yeah. something about that. And I'm yeah. I'm curious like if if like what happened to that book? Mm. You know, is that the mm-hmm. book that Holly's gonna be involved in? Like do yeah. you know, because it didn't, it didn't sound like a true crime thing to me. It sounded like a survival horror or something. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah it sounds yeah. like you know a single location, yeah. like yeah. ticking clock sort of thing, more yeah. than anything. Right. But yeah, I mean, you could you could drop Holly into a story like that, but it wouldn't really um, serve her procedural nature, you know? Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't have any idea. Yeah, I don't know. I, oh, I, I, I do sort of wish that the next Holly novel is called Smother Love. You know that word that he uses in here, yeah. <laughs> Mother Love. <laughs> Um, so one thing that I, I, I want to address before we, we start wrapping up yeah. is a thing that he does here where, listen, at this point with Holly Gibney, you're trained for the supernatural, right? Yeah. Even even going back to the yeah. Bill Hodges books, like they it starts off very, oh, it's just a, a killer doing killer things, right? Mm-hmm. Like a psychopath doing killer things. And then it, by the end of that series, it's like, yeah, full on possession, supernatural shit's going on, right? Yeah. And then the outsider, supernatural being if it bleeds supernatural being. Yeah. And so leading into this, you're like, Oh shit. These, these, this old couple is like getting, staying young and they're, they're sciatic. Vampires being, or some shit. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. It's like they're, it, it, this is actually working. They stumbled onto something. There's a supernatural element. Yeah. They've unlocked yeah. this, you know, secret nutrition or, or whatever yeah. the fuck he keeps going off about. It's like you read that and you're like, yes, this is it. This is uh-huh. like, oh, we're, this is the next evolution of that. And then at the end, you kind of realize, no. No, it was all fucking placebo. Like yeah, it was a placebo. Yeah. Effect. They I love felt that. better. I love that so yeah. much. Yeah, they felt too. better at the end just because you know they believed that it would work. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I, it, it again. This is a book all about fucking pulling that rug. It's like you think she's going to save the girl. She doesn't. You think that this is, you know, this is the new evolution of the outsider kind of monsters. The next. Uh, on Dowski or the the next outsider she's finding, you know, it's like, this is, you think that going in and it's just like, no, it's just this fucking old couple. Who's like, got that, you Mm -hmm. know, trying to be liberal, you know, on the outside and and being like deeply conservative and shitty on the Mm -hmm. inside. And Mm -hmm. like, every time you think you have it pegged down, it's not what you think it is, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so refreshing. And I think it's part of the reason why this one's such a, a page turner. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. There was that one. Did y'all catch that typo? Um, where is it? It's not a. It's a typo, but the copywriter should have cut. It's not King's fault. He knows guns better than this. Um, oh yeah. Towards the end, what is it? Four oh seven. There's a dry click as the hammer falls on the chamber. Holly is left empty as Bill totter because revolvers, unlike the Glock that was his service weapon, have no safeties, and it's the other way around. You know, revolvers have safeties. Glocks don't have safeties. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, no, I and, didn't know that. Yeah, and King King knows. I think King knows firearms better than that. So this is just a typo that the copywriter should have caught. Maybe they'll catch it by the time the paperback comes out. You know, there <laughs> is there is one thing he did like repeatedly in this that caught my eye, uh-huh. and I think he's trying to have Holly say "oof." Yeah, yeah, and he's spelling it O O U G H. I agree. Yeah, but it's O O F. That's how you spell that word. Right. Yeah, that's like, how I would it, spell it. Yeah. yeah. Is that what? But do you agree that that's what he's tr- like going for is oof. I think like, it oof. is. It's just he's trying to give it like a softer landing or something. But I, I agree. Every time I saw that gh on that oof, it w- it was a little jangly for it me. You know, caught my eye. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. we're gonna have to send him an email and tell him to start over. <laughs> you know, and he's we- just gonna send back a copy of on writing and saying live with it. <laughs> um. Uh, the last thing I want to bring up is just something looking at it, King's overall work and where all this stuff um, is falling at the moment. It's really, really interesting to me that I think that once we get a little distance from the last few books that have come out, how it's going, uh, how this is going to reflect the the era and the time that he's living in that we're all living yeah. in. Yeah. Because um, Fairy Tale was his uh response to lockdown like mm-hmm. that was where his mind went this is how he like coped with the shared trauma that we all had the mm-hmm. of you know being like locked in to our homes you know kind of se- separated from our loved ones uh you know scared about what was outside like you know if you catch this thing it could very well kill you it's unknown it didn't know how to treat it and his response to that is you know to cope with that was fairy tale he this this is where he wanted to go this is what his coping mechanism was and then holly following that feels like and then this is him addressing the aftermath of that you know this is uh-huh. this is him with you know uh, addressing the covid era himself so you have a really interesting one two punch here of like what does king as an author you know where does he go when lockdown happens when covid happens and this big world changing thing happens and then holly is his response of examining why he had to go into that area area oh. and like examining the after effects of of this thing yeah. that we all went through yeah. like it's, it's i think it's going to be really really fascinating you know when we look at the next 10 years of king's output you know just kind of how 
you know, uh, this is mirroring what he went through and what we all went through. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, you know, to tell you the truth, most um, horror authors have dealt with the pandemic either by making it be zombies or some flesh eating thing, like by exaggerating it or by avoiding it altogether, you know, mm-hmm. and like, cause nobody wants to deal with masks, but King here seems to be one of the few people who's dealing with masks and that's yeah. pretty cool. Fully embracing it because there, I remember like in lockdown, if we go back and listen to the early, you know, that first year of the King cast, like we were, that's mm-hmm. us dealing with, yeah. with the lockdown and with the pandemic. Um, and we had discussions there of like, what's the art coming out of this going to look yeah. like? Yeah. Um, then I think we kind of decided it was going to be fairly escapism. Uh-huh. That's what, you know, people want escapist stuff right now. And mm-hmm. people don't want to watch shows where people are wearing masks and standing six feet apart. And they don't want to be reminded of, of the, of that horrible thing that's going on. Um, and, you know, and for the most part, that's how it happened. People like movies just don't address that shit. People don't wear masks. It's yeah. like COVID never happened in art. So yeah, it is really interesting to, to see King tackle this in a world where, the world was still taking it seriously and that's mm-hmm. the world that we all experience. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really, really interesting to, yeah, to go it, through that. Part. It totally was. It totally was. And I am going to be more nervous about helping people in parking lots now. <laughs> <laughs> you about Absolutely. a size 14. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have another reason not to be helpful. well steven thank you so much for for being here today and Mm -hmm. um you know talking to us about holly i love this book uh had a really good time talking about it um tell people where they can find you where they can find your stuff what you got coming Mm -hmm. down the road all that kind of stuff yeah like like y'all were saying at the the top of this um angel of indian lake comes march 26 2024 and then i was a teenage slasher july 16th 2024 so nearly back-to-back book back-to-back books so because they the publisher thought it would be too exhausting to send me on two big tours they're doing kind of a i don't know local southwest tour for angel of indian lake and then we're going big again for i was a teenage slasher and hope i hope to come through and hang out with y'all for that fuck yeah we need to just tell them to book an extra day or two in austin so that way we can not take you to a steakhouse but we'll take you (laughs) we'll we'll take you to a we'll we'll actually get to to chill you know yeah uh, because the event that we did together was was fucking awesome when you came out with maximum overdrive and we had such a blast and we still like to this day still hear from people who are in the crowd that we're talking about how much they love it so um, great so uh, we definitely want to redo that, but we need a little hangout time is what I'm saying. We got a little, little cuddle time. So. I agree. Man. I agree. <laughs> Just, we can go, we can go walk, walk the aisles of book people, or, you know? Yes. Yeah. Cause uh, I've lived in Austin for 20 something years, uh, well over 20 years at this point. And I still have very, I had like one or two wildlife encounters. Uh, uh. And so if we're walking around downtown Austin, suddenly there's going to be a coyote or some <laughs> shit. And I want to, I want to experience that with you. So <laughs> nice. You know, I guess I do have a final animal encounter. It's it's around oh, Austin. Yes. I'd forgot about it until just now. Um, it's, it's a sad one though. It's kind of it's a bummer to end the episode on a sad story. But um, well then don't tell it. Oh yeah, maybe not. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be like I saw a dog get hit by a bus. Well, no. <laughs> thanks for tuning in, folks. Oh, <laughs> uh, I could tell it. Maybe I can tell it happy instead of sad. Um, oh, yeah, find, um, find the happy version. Where's the Disney version? Of I was I was in eighth grade, living out in Wimberley, and we had rented a house out in the country that had ten acres, little bitty house that had ten acres. It was fenced in, and in. It came with goats. We had all these goats, but then the neighbor next to us got dogs, 
and oh, big, big old dogs and you know city dogs um they'll chase a they'll chase a goat down and hamstring it but they don't know what to do with it they don't eat it they just leave it there and so yeah. the, our first few months of living there when those dogs would always come over and hamstring our goats i would always take a pail of water and go out and sit use all my afternoons up sitting with those goats with their head in my lap giving them drinks of water while they died man that was jesus that christ was, that was it was a bummer, but I was glad I was there for them. Or I was glad somebody was there for them anyways, you know, because it, right. it seems a bummer to just die out in the field alone, you know? Yeah. You yeah, that is a bummer. That's not the happy the version. Fangoria Podcast Network. <laughs> Mr. Stephen Graham Jones, a ray of sunshine, as always. <laughs> well, thank you, man. Uh, we definitely want you to come back, uh, find a, a less sad story to end on the next one. But we will. We do appreciate you, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. I'm always thrilled to be here. Thank you all so much. Many thanks to Mr. Stephen Graham Jones. Let's give a round of applause. Lady, I'm going to assume everybody's clapping while yes. they're listening to this. Always I a can... delight to talk to <laughs> to Dr. Jones. Uh, <laughs> you call him his, Dr. Jones doll. <laughs> yeah, uh, his trials and tribulations with nature. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, uh, this man is just under constant attack by the world's creatures. It's, uh, it's a delight. It is. Um, having listened back to the episode, I can say that... Uh, that there was a, a lot more talk about cannibalism than I was anticipating. Uh, I mean, listen, I was anticipating a little talk about cannibalism. We know what Holly's about, but, uh, but yeah, that, that kind of got like pretty like deep and revealed some really ugly truths about Mr. Jones's uh, steak eating habits. We've, we've discovered. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, it, it's yeah. definitely forced us to kind of look at him in a different light. I got to say. That's true. That's true. Well done with ketchup. You know, this, this sort of nonsense, I, I you know, there, there's no reason to belabor the point. You know, we've, we've found, you know, uh, something in the negative column for, right. for, for Steven. A you singular know, flaw in his a armor. A singular flaw. Yes. yes. It's been nothing but wall to wall positives this entire time. And now we know this and, you know, sometimes you find out a thing about a friend and you're like, well, fuck that kind of changes my opinion. But yeah, you, you know, we'll soldier on and we'll have him back and, and we won't let this impact how we feel about him going no, we, we, we love him, uh, Dr. Jones, and he can come back anytime he wants. And good news for us is he's got two whole ass books coming out next year. So we will, of course, use any excuse we can to have him come back on the show and talk Stephen King shit with us. So um, absolutely. But, but let's look forward into the future, shall we? What, what do we have coming up on uh, the main feed next week, Mr. Wampler? Well, next week we are going to be talking to one of my favorite bands, uh, a little satanic doo-wop group by the name of twin temple that is alexandra and zachary james um if you're not familiar with twin temple they are exactly as i just described them they are literally a satanic doo-wop group um their shows are pretty theatrical the music is exactly as i just described it. (laughs) it you know like pull up some of their stuff on youtube and listen and you'll be like oh yeah it's like you know, it kind of sounds like the 60s or Amy Winehouse. And also they're talking about the devil. Um, <laughs> it fucking rules. I love these guys and was so delighted to get them on the show. And of course, they chose what else could they choose? Carrie, uh, a title we haven't we haven't covered in a while. And I was particularly interested to talk to them about this one because, you know, as practicing Satanist, I imagine they had some some opinions about uh, religious fundamentalism, which is a, a big part of Carrie. And mm-hmm. sure enough, we do spend some time talking to them about that. And uh, well, everything else you talk to somebody about when you, when you talk Carrie, um, they, they, they were a lot of fun to talk to. Um, I'm excited for people to hear that episode of the show, but uh, yeah, that's who we got on 
next Wednesday. Yeah. Twin Temple coming to the Kingcast. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's a, it's a wild episode. Buckle your seatbelts. Get ready, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the Patreon this Friday, you know what? I think it's time for episode two of season two of Shelbyville. And that is exactly what's rolling out. Um, by now, you should know Shelbyville is our actual play RPG that we do. The Stephen King themed RPG uh, where Mr. Wampler and I are joined by Mallory O'Mara and our DM, Mr. Jacob Hall. We're so excited for, for it to roll out. And uh, yeah, so we're down to episode two for the continuing adventures of uh, Crystal, Bruce and Bug as uh, I don't know, the craziness unfolds. I was about to like spoil the first episode, but there might be people listening who haven't heard it. So mm-hmm. I will not uh, uh, spoil that. But uh, if you've listened to episode one of our new season of Shelbyville, you know that the, the kids are in uh, a bit of a world of shit and that shit's only going to get uh, worse <laughs> as things go on. And uh, this this second episode ends on a huge revelation. I will say that. Yes. Uh, so get excited for that. Don't be a dick and spoil it for anybody else. Uh, once you've listened to it, let's try to maintain like uh, some days worth of, of uh, you know, spoiler redaction on the discord or, or on Twitter or anything like that. So we don't, you know, ruin any fun surprises for anyone, but right. um, yeah, we're, we're excited for people to hear this one. And we have given a lot of thought to how we want to, rolled out this new season of Shelbyville. We had to do some kind of restructuring on, on the Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash the Kingcast. You should go sign up if you want to hear it. And all the dozens and dozens and dozens of other episodes we've got waiting for you over there. But um, we're going to, uh, we're going to drop a couple of these every month. And in order to make it fair to the people in the, um, our, our $6 tier on Patreon, we are also going to be dropping uh, like a nebulous sort of extra bonus episode just for those people. That way uh, you're still getting the exact number of bonus episodes you were promised when you signed up. But the uh, the people in the gunslinger tier are also able to get uh, Shelbyville at a rate that um, uh, won't take an entire year and a half to roll out. Cause we have yeah. 13 episodes this year. Yeah. Yeah. It would take, yeah. yeah, it would take entirely too long. So yeah, that's what we decided to do with that. Look forward to that this Friday on the Patreon. Hell yeah. Got some good stuff. So I guess we'll see y'all in the main feed next week for twin temple talking Carrie. And for all the Shelbyville fans, we will see you this Friday for uh, episode two of season two of Shelbyville. Absolutely. Talk to you later, folks. Bye. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director, and editing is done by yours truly. 